Hello, and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here, as always, with Father Chuck. What up? Hey, dude, I, I noticed uh, you've kind of gone for the uh, CNN correspondent aesthetic um, with your background there. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, it. What what qualifies as professional these days in vis in visual media is uh, kind of funny. Um, All you need is just like your youngest, just to kind of walk in, and then mm -hmm. Cannon freaks out and grabs and drags him out of the room. Like or uh, like what was that one I saw? There was a there was a some I want it was either Univision or Telemundo where. Um, a woman was woman correspondent was talking about something and her husband was like in the background in like a G string. <laughs> I, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's pretty funny. He just sort of walked out with like his, like, like no pants on. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, so this has been a very interesting month, Chuck. Uh, we've talked about heaven. We've talked about hell. We've talked about purgatory the Christian afterlife. And um, what better way to cap it all off than to talk about a Disney movie? Before uh, we get to that, I do want to... Something just popped in my head because I, you being in Oklahoma right now, yeah. and if people know the weather, what's going on... In, uh, yeah, we should probably address that. ...in, in middle America, um, I'm, I'm starting to think that uh, the traditional idea of hell as a place of fire sounds pretty appealing right now. <laughs> a little bit, I got to say. Uh, it has not been pretty. Um, it's not as bad as uh, what Texas is going through, right. which you know, if you're if you're a listener and you're based out of Texas, uh, our hearts and our prayers and our thoughts go out to you. Yep. Uh, I know that has to be horrible. I've seen so much crap, like people lining up at like a spigot in a park to fill up pots and pans just with water and stuff. Have you seen that? No. It's crazy, man. I just saw I just saw a photo today. Of like just like one Domino's opened up in a in, in some random town, and um, they were out they were out of food in like four hours. Wow! And just like the photo of like the Domino's employees are just exhausted. Yeah, it's so it's so bad. People are resorting to Domino's. <laughs> I wish I could buy you all tickets to Cancun. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, just come on! That one's for you guys. Cruising on to Cancun? <laughs> yeah, just cruise on down to Cancun. You can't do that? Come on. But for real, uh, you know, take care of yourselves. I know it's I know it's tough and it sucks, but uh, it'll melt eventually. Well, but like, <laughs> like next week, apparently, it's supposed to be like unseasonably warm weather. Really? I didn't know that. That's, yeah. I thought I saw something about that today. Yeah, it's crazy here. I don't I don't think I've ever seen so much snow in our farm, and I've had to like. We can't we can't drive to our greenhouse, and so I have for like the past week I've had to make like a Lord of the Rings style trek from our house to the greenhouse just to turn the lights off at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and like, since it doesn't get like I mean it, it it usually gets super cold in Oklahoma, but not this cold. So like I always just have like a hoodie and jeans and shoes and I'm ready to go. 
But like I've had to like quadruple there. You're like uh, you're like Ralphie's brother in a Christmas story, where <laughs> just like preparing for extended deep sea diving to just go get. Yeah, just to turn the lights off. Yeah, it's like John Carpenter's the thing out there. It really is. Uh, my dogs have turned into uh, parasitic tentacle monsters and are trying to kill us. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the mini movies I still have never seen. I don't know how you'd feel about it. Like, I feel like you would like it, but also just like the the, the effects are just super, like, gruesome. Oh, I know. So I don't know. I think how I would you'd... like it. Yeah. I think I would dig it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you like aliens, so if it's that's the thing is, it's like <laughs> you show me a movie where like people do that kind of stuff to each other. Yeah. Bothers me. Right. An alien is involved. Eh, I don't care. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, chest bursters, let's talk about Pixar Soul. <laughs> uh, anyway, like as I was saying, we're talking about sort of the Christian uh, beliefs in the afterlife. And so we thought we'd end this month by talking about Pixar's soul. What the... What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Howdy, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Ah! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Help! I'm not done! Oh my, oh my goodness! Ah! Huh? Is this heaven? No. It's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> okay, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't, we can't taste either. All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! That's weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day, and I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh. I will say, though, it turned out a bit differently than what I expected from the trailers. It does, and I think it's sort of on purpose. Um, yeah. I was not expecting, like, basically everything that happens after the first act is, yeah. uh, you know... But uh, like I said, um, well, if you haven't seen it, we're just going to just we're going to talk spoilers. So I have to say, I watched this movie the first time a few months ago, I think when it came out, when it was released to Disney Plus. And man, I got to say, 
I think it might be my favorite Pixar movie. Okay. I think that the animation is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just like the stuff in the real world in New York, which is, I think, might be the most detailed and vivid they've ever been. Yeah. Which I think is on purpose. I think it serves the story. Um, but also the afterlife stuff, or I guess you call it before life, you know, whatever, the beyond. Um, that is just like, I mean, that's just Pixar just flexing, right? Like they were just going to go nuts and go crazy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse that they're doing where they just like went nuts with it. Yeah. My, 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 uh, my son Ford, after we watched it, we were driving to school and there was some wind blowing and he said something like, Oh, the way that that moves looks like that blue grass in the movie we watched last night. And I was like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even notice the grass was blue. So it like really yeah. stuck out with him. Yeah. Everyone has like the, the, the souls are like these sort of glob globby figures. Not, right. They are not the cocoon aliens. Not cocoon aliens. These I can deal with, <laughs> but they also have like a, it's kind of like an RGB sort of three dimensional, like, do you remember those old TVs, Chuck, that was old projection TVs where it was like yeah. a green, red, blue projector. Right. And if you got up close to TV, you could see like the, like the shades mm-hmm. of like green and red and stuff. It was like that. It's like that. And I think that's just really creative and cool. So that's, that's something that kind of sticks out to me on the service level. But what really impacted me was just sort of, um, I guess the movie's thesis, but we'll kind of get into that. I want to know what your thoughts are, what your initial thoughts are of the movie, Chuck. Um, my my initial thought that just pops in my head as I think about the movie is how impressed I am with the way they handled the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that could very easily offend a lot of people. And there's often this thing that happens when Hollywood tries to make a movie about the afterlife, but tries to make it sort of generic, they wind up sort of creating their own like narrative and vision that creates like, it's like alternate theology or whatever. Whereas I felt that soul handled it in such a way that it kind of works with everyone's religious ideas. I think it's because it's so thematically driven. Yeah. It's not trying, it's not the point of it. it, it, The the point is not like trying to figure out what happens after we die and how we deal with that. It's it's like what we've been talking about all month, which is like how that affects how we live. They walk a very fine line of introducing a unique vision for the beyond, right? The spiritual realm, but in such a way that doesn't denigrate or take away from other religious ideas. Like, like, I mean, as a, as a Christian, I'm, I'm watching it and there's like, I find nothing really all that, you know, offensive or, or objectionable to what's going on. In fact, I even detected a little bit of a, of a, of a wink at Christianity where yeah. the character Terry is very upset that the death, that the number of souls like the, that's off. Yeah. And they said, oh, they haven't been, it hasn't been off in millennia or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, um, um, and you know, the whole conversation about, you know, soul 22 having different mentors that works, you know, mother Teresa being one of them is very funny. Oh yeah. That was great. Um, but, um, 
but yeah, I, I, so that's my, that's my first thing in terms of, in terms of just as a movie, I don't know that I think it's Pixar's best. No. Um, it's up there. Um, I was really touched by Coco. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to try to get into which Pixar movie I think is best, but, um, but Soul's definitely up there. Um, my kids were not all that into it. Really? Yeah. They were way more into Onward than, <laughs> yeah. um, than Soul. Um, but, you know, but it might be the kind of movie that's geared a little bit to a slightly older kid. That's probably true. I could see that. It's almost as if they weren't super focused on catering to a younger audience with this one. Right. And I found that I didn't have as much of like a big tearjerker moment. Oh, I did. Like, I mean, I cried. I definitely got, I definitely shed some tears, but not in the part that I thought I would shed tears at. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'll just, I mean, I'll tell you the part that got me was at the moment toward the end of the movie where Joe is sort of remembering what 22 was seeing through his body Mm -hmm. and starting to have like moments of his childhood and moments with his dad and just that kind of moment of reflection while he's playing piano on his own life. Um, there's just that moment of ponderance and just beauty of the world that that kind of moved me to tears. Um, and I also teared up a little bit in the moment where they make the plunge at the very, very end as they're heading toward the earth, but it didn't like, it wasn't like up where I was just wrecked, (laughs) um, you know, 10 minutes into the movie or, uh, toy story. Our Toy Story three, where oh, like that, watching watching toys come to terms with mortality. That was inhumane. They're that was... facing fire. Ooh, that's a rough movie. But no, I mean, you know what? This is uh, the guy. Oh, is it the director who made this? Um, it's it was his name. Pete Doctor, right? Yeah, Pete Doctor, who also made Inside Out, and um, did he also do Up? Yes, he did do Up. Yes, he did do Up. That's right, because. Yeah, there's some fan speculation on the internet that 22 went on to become Effie. <laughs> or Ellie, Effie? Ellie, yeah. Ellie. So the guy's got a pretty solid track record in terms of his Pixar movies and what they're all about. Um, this seemed much more of a piece with Inside Out, dealing with existence and, you know, what what goes on inside of us as, as people to inspire us to do certain things or whatever. And also like um, concepts as characters, which is sort of what inside out. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I liked it. Good, good. Um, so my initial thoughts are like, I just, I really love the um, mythology of how they sort of constructed how the afterlife works and stuff. Like mm-hmm. how, like the, the, you know, the, the great beyond and then the great before and the the U seminar where all of like the little souls are sort of being prepared to go to Earth, um, and like how they choose to prepare those souls, they use like these really famous figures who are very accomplished and inspiring throughout history and stuff. I I just I related to this movie like fiercely. I don't I don't think I've ever felt more represented by a character than someone like Joe. Yeah, um, because the way he feels about jazz is the same way I feel about cinema, and so like his journey is very similar to mine, in that sense of like, um, well, I mean, I didn't die and like come back to life, but 
You were never you. You didn't spend a few hours reincarnated as a cat. No, 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 no. But just the, his his emotional journey, I should say, mm-hmm. of going from learning that like, just because you didn't accomplish, you know, your your dreams doesn't mean that you failed at something. Right. Um, and that was like a profound thing for me to watch in a Pixar film. Well, and, and I, I think I, I really appreciated about that as a you know for us being, you know, post-evangelical Christians is the way that it works as a referendum on the whole, like, purpose-driven stuff that was a big part of our late teens, early 20s. Totally. I mean, that's like, I mean, at PBA, everyone was very concerned about, like, what is their purpose in life, right? Right. Uh, You just heard it everywhere. That was like, that was, I mean, that was my mantra for so many years of my life. Mm -hmm. And this movie posits that, like, you know, your spark, which is what they're trying to help 22 find their spark. It's not your purpose. It's the thing that makes you feel like you're living. Right. And, you know, the scenes, I really love the scenes where it's like when he gets very lost, they call it being in the zone. It's when you find that thing you love to do and you just kind of do it and you just kind of get like caught up in it. I definitely feel that way when I'm either writing or editing. Yes, and, and I and, and speaking of that, like I love that the film depicted that that realm mm-hmm. is on the verge of the great beyond. Yeah, I love that. That's that's another part of the the mythology that I like. Yeah, that the the the, the that the, the afterlife, the spiritual realm is con- we connect to the spiritual realm through doing the things that we love. Yeah, well, and the character of a uh, Moon Moonwind, right? Yes, my Moonwind. favorite character in the movie, by the way. Gosh, I love Moonwind, <laughs> and I, I love. But he talks about thin places, and that's yeah. that's a concept that's really big in in Celtic Christianity. Really? Yeah, the idea that there are time, there are certain times of day and certain times of the year, and in certain locations where the barrier between our world and the spiritual realm is thinner than others, and that comes somewhat out of um, there, there. There's a there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pretext of that in Druid religion, as of course, you know, the Druids converted to Christianity when, when Patrick came and preached the gospel to them. Right. And so a lot of their theological concept worked into uh, Christianity in the Celtic realm. And that's where the, the whole idea of the Feast of Samhain, which we call Halloween, um, it's that, that's the concept is that on that day, the barrier between right. this world and the spiritual realm is thinner than others. Yeah. So let's, let's get into these characters. Because yeah. I think that's a great way to explore movies when we talk about the characters. So the main character, Joe, the one that I, I really relate to, he is a jazz musician who also teaches band. Part-time. Part-time middle school band as a way to pay the bills because he's also trying to pursue a career in jazz because he he lives for jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing I think is fine is just sort of uh, implementing jazz into this story jazz and living life and how like both are like improvisational, I guess you could say in a way or like he he has to, for someone who loves jazz to learn how to live life just feels so appropriate because it's like, it's kind of, it's like the same thing, (laughs) you know, I'm talking about the like improvisational aspect of it. Um, so he's obsessed with jazz and he's, and he, and he has this, um, uh, audition lined up and of course he dies uh, before he can, um... well, it doesn't really die, right? Yeah. Well, he he has an accident, and then he goes into the afterlife, and then he ends up in the great before, 
at the U seminar, which is where he meets 22, which is the soul that's being prepared for Earth. And 22 is a character that uh, is a soul before before they come to Earth, and nobody. I guess you have to find your you have to find your spark before you come to Earth, and 22 cannot find their spark. And I'm using the pronoun there because <laughs> you find out that it's like they're not really gendered, right? right? And that she only uses, or they only use the Tina Fey voice because it annoys people, which I thought was right. kind of funny. Which is a great, which is a great like, kind of wink at the uh, wink at the audience line. Like, why do you sound like a middle aged white lady? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but like, Joe is interesting because he he's, um, I mean, he's so dedicated to jazz that he'll do anything. He's determined to be a, a jazz musician, and that includes like you know, cheating the afterlife, <laughs> you know? Well, right. Cause he's got, yeah, he's got the gig of a lifetime, you know, to him. Right. And you know, he's not, yeah, he's not going to let the fact that he fell down an open manhole. Right. And he's, you know, having an out of body experience, stop him. I, one thing I just want to take a pause to, 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 to acknowledge is that I, I do also find that this, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of whatever you want to talk about, but we have talked about the great before. And right. I find that is something that I kind of want to take a moment just to acknowledge how sure. rare that is in movies. Oh yeah. To, uh, cause one of the things I learned a few years ago was that, um, clergy being prepped, um, for their theological studies back in the middle ages. Um, and before, you know, we're talking like, Saint, you know, going all the way back to like St. Augustine of Hippo, but then we're going all the way up to like people like people like Peter Abelard and St. Thomas Aquinas and others that during that during that whole traje- trajectory of the Western Christian tradition, one of the things that every serious Christian theologian had to be able to offer an account for was in How does this like when does the soul enter the body? Mm-hmm. Um, this, of course, underscores a bit of the Roman Catholic focus on reproductive rights, um, which we don't need to get into, but that's just part of it is that there is a, a, an account of that. But I was, I was, I, when I learned about this, I was fascinated by the fact that it was a subject that we never discussed in seminary in my theological studies. And I didn't even come across it until after I was, you know, graduated and ordained. Um, and so I think it's a really interesting thing that to see a pop movie take up a subject that has that's well attested within you know particularly medieval theology but is not a major point of conversation at least in my experience in contemporary theology and discussion of the spiritual realm yeah we we talk so much about where souls are going to go we don't talk very much about where they've come from Mm -hmm. And so I find that a really fascinating area that they just, that they focus so much of their attention on that in the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, like I mentioned in the Heaven episode, that is kind of how what I grew up to believe, which is that souls come from Heaven. Mm-hmm. And they inhabit the body, and when you die, they either go back or you know go to hell. I used to have this whole bizarre idea that um, uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, where I thought about the fact that if Heaven is outside of time and space then that means our souls are already there mm-hmm. and that and then i used to ask so are we our own guardian angel and then people at my church looked at me funny <laughs> is this kid high or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so joe ends up in the great before where he meets 22 
22, played by Tina Fey. I should also mention Joe is played by Jamie Foxx. Does a very yep. good performance. Very good voice yes. performance. We uh, should note that 22 is called 22 because they are the 22nd soul ever made. Yeah. And they they mention which soul is like the latest one and it's like it's like in the trillions or something yeah oh, no, billions it's in because like 108 billion and they actually base that number based off of the actual math estimates of how many people have been born since the beginning of time right so this is the soul number 22 and 22 inhabits uh the great before as we've mentioned many times um and they're attending the U seminar, which is supposed to help you find your uh, spark that helps you prepare to go to Earth. 22 has had some problems finding that spark. Mm-hmm. And they've had many characters try to help them from Abraham Lincoln to Mother Teresa to Carl Jung to um, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, which is really funny. Uh, Gandhi, they mentioned. Yeah, Gandhi. Uh, not what was the Greek philosopher? Not Socrates. Um, Archimedes. Archimedes. Yeah, because they were arguing about how to pronounce gyro. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, and this is a great. I, I love the great before because not only the animation of like all these little souls hanging out, but I love the Jerry's, which are these cubist two-dimensional characters that kind of bend in space and time and are sort of drawing you can, if you look closely you can see like the energy kind of like drawing from the rest of the environment and into like their sort of wiry frame well what i love about the jerry's it as it dawned on me is at one point a jerry explains what they are and i can't remember it's like a it's like a construct well it's if you if you pay attention to the words basically it's it's string theory and so okay. that's why they're string people oh, interesting because i they're i think they're all jerry like well, they're, they're, they're all the the one in the great they're all connected in the great before they're all jerry and in the great beyond right. it's terry right and terry i uh, terry i love terry mm-hmm. terry was counting all the souls i guess those the terry's are the ones who are in charge of like keeping chart keeping track of all the souls who go into the great beyond and she i mean i guess she woman plays her uh, Rachel House is actually a very uh, prominent New Zealand actress she's wonderful she you probably recognize her as um, Jeff Goldblum's bodyguard in uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok oh okay yeah she does a lot of stuff with Taika Waititi and stuff Um, but she's great she plays Terry and Terry is extremely focused on getting this count accurate um, because Joe has sort of messed things up and so they mistake Joe for one of these mentors, and he's got to teach 22 uh, 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 to find their spark. Though, of course, like most of these movies go, they're trying to, you know, 22 is desperately trying to stay while Joe is desperately trying to get back. And so they're trying to make like an agreement like, hey, look, you give me your pass or whatever, and I'll go down to Earth, and you can just stay here and everything, that'd be fine. We should talk about these next round of characters. My favorite character is uh, Moonwind. Yes. Moonwind is, um, I guess they call themselves the Mystics, right? Right, they're the Mystics. Yeah, um, I don't remember the other Mystics names. I don't think they really them, but like they're like these characters who, they're all like very new agey, and <laughs> very like stereotypical, you know, bohemian, and they're able to kind of like they're earthly beings, but they're able to transcend into the into the afterlife, and. 
Well, but specifically that do they call it? It's not the between. I don't know what they call it, but it's that space where, like, where people go when they're when they're in, in the, zone. the zone. Yeah. Um, which was like I said, I love that they make that is like adjacent to the afterlife. Yeah, somehow. yeah, that's so great. And I I love Moonwind's character because these are these are whole, supposed to be like holy people, right? Yeah, and their whole purpose is while they're there, they find you know you you find out that it, it's not only occupied by people who are in the zone, but also people who are like lost souls, right? Who are stuck in sort of an, an obsessive like repetition, and, which yeah. to me related a lot to our conversation on hell and purgatory. Oh uh, yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, and I love that Moonwind's purpose. Or not their, I guess I shouldn't say purpose, but what their job is as mystics is to free people from their obsessive, uh, basically just to help lost souls mm-hmm. and to find life again. Well, and my the, my favorite thing is, is, you know, when we find out that the other mystics are like, they're there because they are meditating or... Yeah. Something and then you find out that Moonwind is there because he's in the zone as a sign twirler. Yes, I love it. The most enlightened person in this movie is a sign twirler. It's so great. <laughs> and um, and I love and I love that he's you know what is it a uh, uh, subterranean homesick blues is playing all the time on his like mystic pirate ship <laughs> that has tie dye sails. Yes, it's so good. Oh my gosh. Um, and then I also love that in that realm we see that twenty two is constantly messing with Knicks players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It explains why the Knicks suck. So it's all twenty two's fault. Um, but I think it's cool that like twenty two is like is the is like tight with Moonwind. Like they yeah. already know each other. I think that's interesting. That um, I don't know. I, I, I think I just that that's that that part of the world building is I found to be like the most fascinating and the most, uh, I don't know, inspiring, I guess. But there are people who like, these people care so much and that, that the idea of like someone meditating is usually like the butt of a joke, right? But really like these people who are like eccentric and weird, they're actually like serving a really deep and interesting and inspiring purpose. And that's, it is to help people in their own, in their own like metaphysical sense. Right, and then that whole that whole element too is kind of cool because um, you know we tend to think of that that spiritual zone in terms of things like meditation, right, or whatever. You know, we're le- you know we're less we're less inclined to say like you know to say that like an athlete and like a monk are inhabiting the same realm at certain moments of their lives. Um, But it makes me think about something, um, you know, as a surfer, I know, you know, a little bit about surfing people, Um, but there's a really famous surfer named Jerry Lopez, who's a Buddhist. And uh, years ago, I read an interview with him where he talked about how surfing and meditation are like the same thing. Because in both of those things, like when you're surfing, when you're on the wave, you're not thinking about anything else except for what's happening in that moment. And so it actually puts you into that right. that state that you're trying to achieve as a as a as a Buddhist in meditation. Yeah. Um, what I thought is just fascinating. The movie again touched on that and mm-hmm. allows us to open up that conversation about where that spiritual realm is found. That it doesn't mean you have to, you know, go on a silent retreat for four days right. to get there. That you find it when you're doing the thing you're passionate about, the thing that sparks you. Yeah. So that's how 
Joe and 22 end up on Earth because the moon wind helps them get back. Only well, what happens? <laughs> accident didn't really help them. Yeah, accidentally. I mean, they 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 had like a I guess they had like a process to do where they could could have done it accurately, but because of Joe's, you know, determination and impatience, um, you know, they they fall down to earth and Joe falls into a cat, <laughs> and twenty two falls into Joe's body, um, which is I mean, and that's where the movie takes a turn that like I wasn't expecting it to go. Right? No, I wasn't either. Even though it's kind of a plot hole. Yeah. Because how so? how is 22 able to get into the earth without the past right like that's true but like but this is where the movie kind of takes a turn like because they i i was not expecting a a body swap movie (laughs) no um which they play up to really good effect yeah and it's like i think any other movie would have been like oh he ends up back in his body but now he has this really weird cat following him around right Mm -hmm. um but like to kind of reverse it where like he's the cat (laughs) it's actually really funny yeah um so that's great because you know they're trying to he's trying to get him to the gig, but in the meantime, like twenty two is like slowly learning why Earth is so cool, and I think this is why I think it was so important for the animation of New York City to be so vivid and detailed as it is, mm-hmm. because you're kind of experiencing it from twenty two's point of view. Um, right, and it's not and it's not a heightened. It's not like San Fran San Fran Nokio. Right. From yeah. Big Hero 6, which is very, like, all the buildings are kind of, like, you know, you're trying, it's sort of trying to show it from, like, a kid's perspective. Just yeah. how, you know, this is very grounded. Oh, yeah, it is. I think it might be, like, some of the most, like, realistic stuff they've done. Um, you know, we've gone to Paris and Ratatouille, but even that, mm-hmm. not as, I mean, I've been to both Paris and New York. This New York, like, it just felt like the New York I visited. Paris, not mm-hmm. so, it's just kind of, like kind of like an MGM Studios set. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, there's uh, a really there's a really great thing that they have on Disney Plus right now called Pixar Popcorn, which okay. are like two to three minute Pixar shorts. Okay. And they're based on a number of the different franchises and they have one for Soul. And it's just little vignettes of all the characters from the movie living in New York. And so it's just no dialogue. It's just very ethereal. And wow. you would like, you should check it out because yeah. it really drives home... Uh, how rich the New York is in this movie. Right. Um, so I was talking about the movie's thesis and I think this is where the thesis kind of comes in in this film is during this act of the film where Joe goes to get a haircut mm-hmm. and, um, or I guess I shouldn't say Joe, I should say 22. Uh, <laughs> um, and they meet Joe's barber and you find out that like, you know, 22 is very curious, asking a lot of questions and stuff. And Barbara's actually kind of surprised. Oh, you don't really talk this much about me. Interesting. <laughs> you know, usually just talking about jazz. Um, so you find out that the barber, Des, which, by the way, the whole barbershop sequence is also very detailed and, like, very yeah. brilliant. Um, so the barber kind of tells his story that he was in the Navy that he uh, once he left, he wanted to become a veterinarian, but his daughter was sick, and he had to pay medical bills. So instead of going to veterinarian school, he went to barber school, which was ch- because it was cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then you know, twenty two was like, "Oh wow, that's really sad because you didn't get to do what you wanted to do. Now you're stuck being a barber." He's like, "No, actually, I'm really happy because I just I learned to love what I was doing here because I get to meet cool people like you and I get to meet everyone here. Everyone here makes me happy." 
So I think that is kind of the thesis of the movie, that scene. Right. And I, I do want to say, too, that without risking, you know, risking jumping ahead a little bit, that the fact that the movie, the movie ends on a fairly open-ended note mm-hmm. you know, circles back to this moment where you can start asking the questions about you know, where is Joe's perspective changed on what his life is going to be and, and all of that based off of that conversation. I guess it's sort of when we start to learn that, like, I guess the philosophy of the story is that you don't have a predetermined purpose um, mm-hmm. and that there's something about living that sparks something in you. And it may not overlap with, like, you know, a career or something. Um, but I think that's, like, the lesson that Joe has to learn. Right. I mean, I think... Um... It, 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 for me, it goes back to um, it goes back to an article I read on Cracked Mag- Cracked.com <laughs> like eight years ago or something. Yeah, and I think I brought this up before in the podcast where uh, they cited um, studies that showed that people who work nine to five jobs tend to report being more satisfied and happy in their lives. Hmm. Um, that. The, that there's a disconnect with the way that Hollywood depicts working in a nine to five job. It's a tendency to show it as drudgery, but it's partly because artistic, the artistic types that make movies to them, it's drudgery. And so that's the perspective we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there are plenty of people who see that, that, you know, the idea of a stability of nine to five then frees them up for their own pursuits and passions outside of that. Yeah. And, um, it it should, <laughs> it should. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Depending yeah, yeah, who yeah. you work for, but like, but you're right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that no no absolutely. I mean I you know I as someone who who had you know recently been employed in a situation that wasn't always the most yeah you know spark uh, you know sparky <laughs> part of life. Right. Um, yeah. I. Uh, it's. Um, but but that idea that like finding out that the thing that you're passionate about doesn't have to be your career, you know, whereas so much of like our life is geared around the idea of like, oh, you really like to do this, so you should make a job out of it. And if you're not making a job out of it, then you're, everything you're doing is second class. Whereas, you know, there's like for me, you know, I spent, I spent many years thinking that I was going to make a life for myself in surfing. But then I realized if I made my life in surfing, then surfing stops being something I enjoy and it suddenly becomes my job. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't want that because it's the thing that I sort of escape to. Right. Um, you know, so. Um, it's, just, it's better to use it as a way to enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the thing that I ought to be doing all the time, you know. You know, because like, because I, I really related to that moment in the film where Joe, after his gig with Dorothea, right? Uh, is that her name? Yeah, Doroth- Dorothea Parker, Dorothea. I think, played by yeah, Angela yeah. Bassett. Yeah, that like after their gig, where he was like, I thought it would feel better. Yeah, I related to that moment a lot. Yeah, and she says uh, the story about the fish, right? So good. The story of the fish, which is that uh, a young fish swims up to an old fish, and the old fish asks, "Hey, where do I find the ocean?" Right. 
There's a young fish asks, right? Where yeah. do I find the ocean? Yeah. And the old fish says, like, well, you're in it. And the young fish says, no, that's water. I want the ocean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about. There is this. Um, so Martin Scorsese, my teacher, um, he <laughs> he uh, recently did a master class. I don't know if you if you know if you're familiar with the master class yeah. stuff online. Where they take like these professionals and they have them like prestoke some kind of knowledge, like like an online cl- course almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they use a lot of filmmakers to do like sort of these masterclass film courses. Well, they got Martin Scorsese to do one. And I really, really, really want to watch it. So if anyone wants to donate like a hundred bucks, <laughs> so, <laughs> so JP can take a Martin Scorsese course. Uh, but Martin Scorsese, the trailer for it opens up with him saying listen if you're looking for a career in the movies um that's not what i'm going to teach you but if you feel like you have to make a movie this is what that's for i wish someone had told me that 20 years ago (laughs) you know what i mean like instead of spending so much of my life trying to make it a job and not just be like what if i just wanted to make a movie like what do i just want to say when pursuing in the film industry, you think a lot about like markets. You think a lot about like what sells, um, what's popular. Because because if you tap into that zeitgeist and you do something within that, whatever is preferred, that's where you'll find success and acceptance, and people will celebrate you, whatever. But you know, filmmaking should be an artistic pursuit. And an artistic pursuit is basically just like, I have something to say, I need to say it, I don't care what's popular or not, I just need a camera and a crew and actors and just put it out there. Um, and it's like, when you go to film school and you can move out to LA, that is all like, okay, but like, do that, but like in a way that you can make money, <laughs> you know? Like you're, you're chasing the dragon at that point, you know? Right, and this and this actually t- touches on something you and I have talked about over the years um, around how we see it, particularly with social media, with the idea of everything becoming a brand and that selling out is seen as a virtue. You know that there are that there's a whole generation of people out there right now who don't who do not understand why, like say, Kurt Cobain made Courtney Love return a Mercedes. You know. Yeah, totally. Um, that that sense of of like authenticity mm-hmm. and the fear of being labeled a poser. Like, there's just a whole generation that understand that. And you know, and not to say that that's you know one's good or bad, right? It's not this generational conversation. But I do think that, like you're pointing out, we do live oftentimes in a world where we've come to value particularly creative arts but we value them in such a way where we're saying like you ought to be making your career in this but in order to make your career in this you have to make tons of compromises and i wonder how that affects i mean well we i mean we see it with social media right like everybody maximizing their you know their the, the algorithm by posting the same photos all the time and you know, you're not really ever present. Yeah. You're 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 doing what you can in order to get someone else to look at it later. Even in this podcast, sometimes where you and I are kinda like, you know, how can we chase the SEO? <laughs> right. Right. You know, sometimes. Yeah, I mean and I think about it, like being here in Hawaii and seeing like the tourists all the time. 
I, I, you know, I see people pose for photos and I'm like, are you actually enjoying the moment that you're here or are you thinking about it in terms of how it's going to look for the gram? Yeah. That maybe their spark in life is being their like their, their numbers and being an influencer. I don't know, but so I don't want to judge, but you know, but I do think about at what point are you, you know, hey, are you listen. doing it because you live it and love it? Yeah, I mean, if you want to see an example of somebody that was in the zone, watch our trailer for the Calvinism the Calvinism episode. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> I was in the zone for that one, dude. You were you were you were transcending time I was. and space. Yep. So I mean, that's just kind of a piece, and I think that's why the movie sort of spoke to me so much was because that's something I really needed to to hear. I needed to see that I didn't necessarily fail in my pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um because cinema is still very much a part of me and who I am and that if I do make a movie and I might, I might not, who knows, you know, it won't be because I needed to like put food on the table. It's because I just really needed to say something. I remember, again, I may have mentioned this before in the podcast, but I remember one of our creative writing professors lamenting to me a little bit when I mentioned that I was going to become a priest, you know, sort of being like, you know, don't walk away from the creative writing piece. Don't, you know, because there's also a time where I thought about being a novelist. Um, so, you know, don't, don't, don't lose that. But I started thinking about, well, every sermon I preach is a creative writing endeavor. So there is a creativity piece that's still a part of the life. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't happen in the way some people might expect it, right? But you can learn to bring those pieces together in different ways. And so like, are you looking at Academy Award nominations for yourself right now, JP? You know, you're editing our podcast, you're consider you know you're thinking about how ca- how di- different cameras work for the way it looks on the screen and you're thinking about different microphones and sounds so you're doing all of the film tech stuff here and this so you're you're scratching that itch you're you know you're 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 doing it and you're editing which i think i think editing is one of your favorite things to do um that's correct yes yeah and so like you know so you're you're able to live it out you know in a in a way if you if you if you choose to see it that way, so mm-hmm. I think that that's a important piece too. And that is like I, you know the the way Des in the movie Des the barber talked about like being a barber instead of a veterinarian. That's, it, it, I kind of also related to that. Like I kind of see this podcast as sort of my my barber shop. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, though I think if you had told me like twenty years ago that this podcasting thing would be a thing, I'd be like, ooh, let's start preparing now. <laughs> right, I probably would have. Take more radio uh, classes. Uh, I don't know. Focus more I, on audio. <laughs> yeah, but you know what though? Like as you said, like for this feels like we have a garage band. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of like that. You know, we're we're not going the Larry King or Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> if he died, I'd mention. You know, we're we're kind of more like the Shags. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or, or I don't know, like, no, or no, we're, we're more like, you know, like YK the, Kim, like, uh, like the kinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely YK Kim. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, that's interesting how, how it can, it can, this movie sort of ties into that, ties into, you know, passions and what, what a passion actually is. And, um, it spoke to me and I, I think that's why, like, um, I also love the scenes of like where he's um, he has that one student who's like great on the trombone, right? And she comes to visit him after twenty two has possessed his body, 
and she comes to visit him just to tell him he's, that she's going to give up on it because she is not good at it or whatever. And then 22, who hasn't gone through their transformation yet, is like, oh, yeah, this world totally sucks. Like, it's all overrated. Like, you totally, <laughs> you totally should quit. Where we learned that Orwell was one of her mentors, too, and she took the wrong <laughs> lessons away from Orwell. I forgot about that part where she says, what is, oh, I should have written that down. Like my mentor, George Orwell, used to say, state-sponsored education is like the rattling of a stick inside a swill bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I like that scene a lot because you could tell that, like, he, even though he really did not want to be a teacher, he knew how to be one. Yeah. Which is something I think 22 needed. Well, and, and that's where I think the movie doesn't outright say it, but the realization for him is that he actually finds his spark through teaching. Right. You know, because, you know, he's teaching 22. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he thinks that his... Or, or maybe that's maybe it's maybe it's different. Maybe it's music is his spark, but his purpose is teaching, mm -hmm. and he's confused. You know, his spark with his purpose, which is part of a big part of the movie too. Yeah, and you know, going back to like the the lost souls, uh, mm -hmm. you know, eventually twenty two becomes a lost soul uh, because you know they haven't quite made the transformation you know joe is still very focused on getting back and doing his gig and stuff meanwhile 22 becomes one of those lost souls which is these very sort of almost lovecraftian you know mm -hmm. ink blots with like a giant eye and tentacle like arms and limbs and stuff and you know 22's obsession is just that like they can't find a reason to live like they can't find their spark and like you see all these apparitions Abraham Lincoln, you know, Mother Teresa, and even at, at the end, Joe, mm -hmm. telling telling 22 that they're useless, which I thought was really sad. Yeah. Um, but of course, he, he's, he's able to help her out of that, uh, out of that situation by reminding them of uh, with, with one of the, like these items that they found when they were on Earth, it's kind of defeating himself in a way, which is interesting. Yeah. Besides, 22 already knows how to had to do jazzing yeah that's what i like too like i was saying like how it kind of ties into into jazz and that's what i'm interested because in, i know you're, you're getting into jazz or like you're, you're very into jazz now i don't know well sure i i, I mean you're into it i'm into it <laughs> we've talked about how there's no not there's no non-smug way to do this yeah especially if you're like a like a a white guy approaching middle age you're like i'm into jazz now like <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting into jazz yeah <laughs> Um, There's no way to sound insufferable. <laughs> sound right. Not sound insufferable. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm really getting into jazz, and I, what fascinates me about jazz is the way in which it's you know it's taken a very measured right. Like Saint Saint Augustine of Hippo referred to music as like the third mathematics or something like that, right? So there mm -hmm. is this well-attested approach to music as math and jazz takes that but shows that it doesn't have to be math that it's feeling um and you know and so that there's you know you have recognizable tunes but they're all a little bit different 
because of the feelings in the moment. And that's just such a, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of been playing with working on a history of what Episcopal Christianity is and the ways in which Episcopal Christianity can enshrine what American culture is about in the difficulty with that task. And for me, part of it is thinking that, that in a lot of ways, right, jazz is so American, the way in which the Episcopal church has developed as taking these European and, and, you know, even Middle Eastern, but largely European approaches of Christianity, but interpreting them in a way where there's some fuzzy boundaries and some play makes it sort of like a jazz kind of thing, you know, and that, and that, and that speaking to like with this movie and the way that like the, you know, the, the, the spiritual life or just the life that we're called to live, it's not math. It's not preset, you know, there's not a code, right. It's, you know, there's a, there's a path, there's something that's recognizable, but we all offer our own spin on it. And that's the beauty of, of life. Right. And another, I think interesting, uh, part of the music that plays a role in this movie is the Trent Reznor score. Right. Whenever they go into the afterlife. Yeah. It's very synthy uh, and very rhythmic and very touching. I love it. Yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who have scored very dark movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for them to do this, very interesting. Yeah, I was really stoked. I mean, that was like actually the first piece of news I heard about this movie when it was in production was that Reznor and, and and Ross were scoring it. I was like, wow, this is going to be an, an intense movie. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, they pulled it off, you know? They pulled yeah. it off of not being like an aggro sound. Well, I found that there are two types, that there are two versions of the soundtrack that were released on vinyl, and I want to get both of them. Oh, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. There's two, uh, there's the mute, like the score, and then there's the music from and inspired by both on vinyl, but you can get them both as a digital album, but you know, come on at this yeah. point I'm getting into jazz. So, you know, I've got my turn. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, cool. So like, what do you think? I mean, the, we talked about, we were going to kind of get into sort of the, the ending of the movie mm-hmm. and how it's sort of open-ended. There was just something mm-hmm. you said you, you wanted to say about that. Well, I mean, I kind of said what I wanted to say about that okay. actually, which is that I, you know, I think that, the, the movie yields itself to interpretation. Um, my interpretation of it is that he's going to find a way that I think he's going to take the job to be a teacher mm-hmm. because that's, he, he really loves it. Um, but I don't know that he would quit being, you know, a jazz musician in the evenings right, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, you know, but like, and that, that touches into this, this conversation that we've had about, you know, the way the spiritual realm informs the way we live our lives now. You know, like the thing I've said over and over as a, as a priest in recent years is that I think one of the worst things that we've done is we've made this stuff boring. You know, we've made the spiritual life, we've made the Bible, we've made Christianity boring. Um, we've made it status quo. We've made it all of that. Um, the idea that it's not about finding some secret purpose so that you can get to heaven someday or whatever it is that we've tried to do (laughs) with this thing in the past, you know, 20 years, 
but is really about considering the ways in which God has given us this life and this world as a gift and appreciating it all as a gift, knowing that one day it will come into its fullness and we'll be able to appreciate it perfectly. But we try to tap into that appreciation now. And so it's not about a code. It's not about trying to find the instruction manual or any of that kind of stuff, right? It's just learning to live it and enjoy it. Yeah, he even kind of mistakenly, you know, when she's when when 22 is sort of describing all the interesting things you're doing, and he's like, that's not, that's just plain old living, right? Yeah. He kind of misses the point, but it's like, no, that 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 is the point. It's the stuff in between that's the... Right. Yeah. I don't know how this how the cat's soul came back, because it looked like it was on its way to the beyond. Uh, yeah. Oh, I read a thing online. They said that uh, because cats have nine lives, that oh. was just like one of the nine lives went on. Well, there you go. So does that mean there were eight live, eight souls stuck inside the cat? Well, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I laughed hard, though, at that cutaway to the cat yeah. going to the great beyond. <laughs> um, and just the fact that it was a therapy cat, that's such a great little touch. I love it. Anything you want to kind of end this series on, Chuck, that you want to say? There? Anything like that? Yeah. Final thoughts with Jerry Springer? <laughs> Kana and I have uh, started uh, watching Modern Family. We watched it for a couple of years, but we never caught the earliest seasons, and then we fell away from watching it toward the end. And so we decided just to start from the beginning and watch the thing all the way through. I mentioned this because last night we watched this episode where um, Jay Pritchett, played by Ed O'Neill, um, decides he doesn't want to go to church. Um, he says him and God are good. Um, and he finds his experience with God on the golf course. And so Manny, his stepson, doesn't want to, he's Colombian, doesn't want to go to church either. And so he goes with him and they start having this whole conversation about hell and heaven. And Jay tells him there is no hell. But then Manny is asking his question about like, well, well, then where do the bad people go? And he says, well, there's a section of heaven where they're, where they go. Everybody goes in, but there's a section where the bad people go and they're sort of walled off. And it's like, well, what keeps the bad people from getting to the other people? It's like, oh, well, there's like a, there's a moat with like a lake of fire in between. He basically starts describing the deck, you know, the hell. but um, it's, uh, but it was an interesting episode to watch and an interesting conversation given the context of all of this that we've had for these past four episodes um, to, to see that these questions are still very much a part of our popular culture and that it's bigger than just, you know, you and I post evangelicals trying to make sense of where we've come from that real people are, you know, asking, you know, what's going to happen? What's, what's the afterlife? What's, how does that affect the way we live now? Um, right. And this idea that we're afraid of hell and that we allow that fear to dictate the decisions we make. And I don't think that that is the mode of living that God really wants for us. And I think a movie like soul is a great counterpoint to that, to show that we shouldn't be living our lives in fear of time running out or missing out or fear of going to some, you know, place of suffering, but that God wants us to live our lives in this moment, appreciating this creation as the gift that it is. And it's, you know, and, and one thing I'm aware of as I say this, and as we've talked about the movie Soul, is it's really easy, you know, to talk about it in the terms of a life of a man who, 
even though he's a part-time middle school band teacher, he's got his own apartment in Brooklyn. You know, he's got yeah, he's that. got a pretty you know he's got a pretty comfortable existence. Mm-hmm. You know, based off of what we see in the movie, All Things Considered, right? How do you tell somebody who's you know, well, standing out in a park trying to get water from a spigot in Texas right now, or you know, getting Domino's because that's all they got. Yeah. Um, you know, say, oh, just learn to appreciate life right now, right? Like, and I think that that speaks to this other piece for us in our in, in the in the Christian life is that we need to learn this lesson. Those of us who are in more privileged positions to learn this lesson about what it means to live our life so that we can then leverage our privileged existence in order to bring that freedom and liberation to others so that they can experience it alongside us. And that becomes, you know, there's a, there's a responsibility on our behalf and it's not because we need to do this so that we could get to heaven someday, but so that other people can experience heaven now. And so, like I said, I said, I think that the, the message of a movie like Soul is really affirming of that is saying, like, it's not about worrying about what's going to happen afterward. It's really about what we're doing now um, and how we're helping other people experience that, which, again, is the, you know, the, the theme of the movie is helping 22 learn to not be lost right it's a very christian story actually yeah we come right down to it you never really find out like what it was specifically that gave her that spark you know i think a really great moment in the the final act of the film is i think 22 is asking one of the jerry is like how did you ever find out what that spark was for her and they're like or like what the purpose was and he's like what do you mean purpose like yeah None of those. You guys use all these words. They don't make any. They don't mean anything. Yeah, was it all you mortal, all you mortals, and your focus on on um, what is it on purpose and uh, something else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he calls him. I also like. <laughs> yeah, I also really like that uh, that we don't know who twenty two becomes. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. That we're sort of, you know. You know, and it's it's that it's that story of loss, right? Because in a classic in a classic story like that, if you don't you know if you if you don't see that kind of conclusion, right, that would be like death. You know, the saying goodbye piece is death, but in this story, that's actually life, and so it's there's a beginning, and we're not gonna we're not privy to that. Rather than right, you know, it's an ending. I just that's kind of an interesting. Unless they decide to make a sequel, which I mean. <laughs> they don't yeah i mean i I could see the possibility there being of like a a short that picks up the story a little bit oh yeah maybe um just think about the terry's and the jerry's that'd be great well here's something mind-blowing because they made the point of saying that time is irrelevant in the great beyond who's to say that who's to say that 22 didn't become somebody in the past that's true. Very well said, Chuck. I liked your, your well, closing you. thoughts. Oh, well, thank you. And I like that you addressed, like, you know, it, it's one thing to be like, hey, just enjoy life, accept it. Like, okay, what about people who are, like, experiencing, you know, racism, <laughs> you know, or, like, <laughs> subjugation, poverty? Yeah. Um, and it's... Whole, whole lot of people in Myanmar right now not able to just, like, go smell the roses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, so I'm glad that you, I'm glad you addressed that. 
Um, okay, so that 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 about does it. I, I hope I hope our audience has enjoyed our our little series here. I think I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Um, we've got a great month planned out for you next month in March. Um, we're kind of going to get back to our you know just episode by episode. You have no idea what we're going to talk about each week. Um, oh, it's a surprise. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we'll be back to uh, we've got a we've got a we've got a new series coming up that we've never done before that we've been talking about. I think since since we started since we started this podcast, we've been talking about uh, the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been that we're planning. Um, but that's in April, March. It's gonna be fun, guys. So keep tuning in. Hit the like, comment. Uh, Tell your friends. Yeah. Make make uh, burn CDs with our episodes and slide them under your <laughs> under the doors of people on your hall in your dorm or wherever you're at. You know, you just reminded me of. Uh, you might what? know this because I know you're a White Stripes fan, but apparently Jack White isn't he like in like really didn't he like at one point get really into upholstery? Yes. And then like he he cut a record, and he put the only copy in just some random couch. Yeah. And it's just out there. Right? Yeah. Like he yeah. built a couch and he put it like in a couch cushion and then they sold it and no one knows who has it. <laughs> so there's just like a White Stripes album just kind of out there. <laughs> or a Jack White album. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was also responsible for uh, trying to popularize this um, this record player that plays three inch records. Okay. Um, I was at a record store here in Honolulu the other day and I saw one and like the little records it's really fascinating but like it's like 80 bucks for the record player oof yeah wow okay I, I don't know why but you just reminded me of that of like I'm just ima- I'm just imagining like our fans burning our episodes and CDs and like hiding them in weird places hey look here's the deal if I ever write a book right if I ever publish well I say I've written books I need to get I need to get them published is um, I fully plan on anytime I'm in like a Barnes and Noble or something. I'm gonna grab a couple copies and just sign them and put them back on the shelf. Nice. I'm surprised more authors don't do that. But it'd be pretty funny if I got kicked out for like <laughs> vandalizing property and like it's my book. You have to buy it now, sir. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Father Chuck, thank you. You're welcome, bro. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>